Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to the Quarterly Report. We've got a really good show this week. Comedian and my homeboy, Talib Babs, is going to join us. You've probably seen a lot of his work from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He's going to discuss the NBA Finals and some of the difficulties of being a comedian in this new day and age. Also, we're going to discuss the NBA's one-and-done rule and why it continues to rear its ugly head with so much false information. All that and so much more, but first, our first topic this week. As a man... And as I've gotten older, I've realized that, you know, for much of my life, I've done things from just like a logical standpoint. In fact, my good friend of mine, she told me the other day that I think too much. And, you know, I have a little girl, she's growing up. And like I said, as I've gotten older, I felt like in order to be a well-rounded, completely full individual, I need to embrace my emotions more. You know, I usually always fall back. The default is to my logical self to think things through. Not saying that my thoughts are the best, but I always rely heavily on logical thinking, trying to think things through as opposed to just feeling. So in that same spirit, I'm going to allow my emotions to take over the driver's seat because While I understand why Kevin Durant went to the Golden State Warriors, I can't stand the fact that he did it. And I'm done. I'm done trying to rationalize and, you know, reason with myself on Kevin Durant. Again, he's a good guy. By all accounts, I don't know him. I've never met him or interviewed him. But I know people, people I trust who have been in those circles PG County circles, AAU circles, who may know people who know him, you know, third person type of thing, uh, six degrees of separation. Um, And this isn't a personal attack on Kevin Durant. This is just an attack on the man who has just thrown off the sport that I love so much. And, you know, we all make fun of Stephen A. I've taken some shots at him on this show a few times, but... When he said it was the weakest thing he's ever seen from a star athlete, Slim, he was right. Like, as of this recording, the Golden State Warriors are up two games to nothing on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have not lost a single playoff game yet. In fact, their average margin of victory in the postseason is over 10 points. I want to say the average margin of victory in the finals is 20 you know, or close to it. And the entire league, the entire foundation of what we've been watching, what we've been anticipating has done a complete overhaul and shift. This is like, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic when I say this, but we could be that one move. I mean, the Warriors were dominant regardless, but just getting arguably the second best player on a 73 win champion team anyway. There is nothing that you can do to combat that. Like you're, we're watching these, these games. And for the first two games, we've had really good first or really good slash entertaining first halves that have been competitive. But then the third quarter happens. And it's, it's like when you watch Voltron as a child, And you skip to the last sequence, the last scene when 
all the robots link up and we all know what's coming they're about to smash everybody and that's exactly what the warriors are doing and they're just getting started this is only the first year imagine what next season is going to be like and we hear this all the time it's like oh well you know lebron james created the super team so you live by the super team you die by the super team we've heard all these you know clever cliches or memes by the people who don't like lebron i'm not gonna call them haters you know you know you can like or dislike anybody you want you know but people who dislike lebron often are the people who are rejoicing in seeing this you know and Make no mistake, watching Golden State play is fun for this year, for this moment, because you're just caught up in the on the wave, right? Because we're watching something that I honestly feel we've never seen before. I'm not going to get into this team can beat that team from this era or that era, but the level of skill, the level of discipline, the level of talent with a team so top heavy is amazing i literally have never seen it before we're talking about the number one offense and the number one defensive team in the league or the number two defensive team in the league i mean think about that but back to the people who want to compare what lebron did going to miami to what kevin durant did i mean people got so emotional it's almost like lebron was he was their their lover you know, they, were, they act like scorned lovers in regards to how they talk about the decision. Keep in mind, if you wanted to say that what LeBron did was a, a complete comparison to what Durant did, I'll give you the exact comparison. It would be as if LeBron James were to lose this finals in the next offseason or this offseason, go play for Golden State. You know what I mean? Imagine that. Imagine if after losing these finals, LeBron James played it for Golden State. Y'all would riot in the streets. Y'all burn the whole damn thing down. But you know what? Matter of fact, that's not even a fair comparison. What would be a better comparison is if LeBron James lost in these finals after blowing a 3-1 series lead and then went to Golden State. That would be more apt to what Kevin Durant did because let's not forget, after blowing a three to one series lead against the Warriors, KD went to Golden State. But you know what? I'm talking, y'all like my family. You know, I appreciate y'all listening to me. So I'm, I'm thinking this thing out. I'm talking this out. What would even be a better comparison is if after losing in the NBA Finals, blowing a 3-1 series lead to the Warriors, in a series where game six, a potential a series clinching game, LeBron James played like trash. The way Kevin Durant played like trash last year. That would be the ideal comparison, right? Because again, after blowing a 3-1 lead, game six in Oklahoma City, Kevin Durant was looking like Tony from Blue Chips. And if you've ever seen Blue Chips, you know what Tony did. He was point shaving. But you know what? I've got it. The ultimate comparison. Here you go. Here you go. This is the surefire way to make the comparison between LeBron James and Kevin Durant apples to apples, complete equals. You ready? After 
losing in the NBA Finals, blowing a 3-1 series lead, playing like trash in Game 6, with LeBron's second-best player, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love, whoever you want to call it, being as good as Russell Westbrook, then, and only then, if LeBron James were to leave to play with Golden State, that would be the perfect comparison. Do you see how different what LeBron James did? See, I'm sizing it, but I'm really not even sizing it because I'm using specific, actual examples. Kevin Durant lost to Golden State last playoffs. Kevin Durant blew a 3-1 to one series lead against Golden State last playoffs. Kevin Durant in a potential series-clinching game six at home played like trash against Golden State in last year's playoffs. And, by the way, Kevin Durant's running mate, best player, second best player, however you want to classify it, is Russell Westbrook, the guy who very well may win MVP and is the second player in the history of the NBA to average a triple-double. Kevin Durant left all that. Slim, understand what i'm saying again i'm trying to fully embrace my emotions so you know my volume i got some volume issues right now tone issues you know but i'm, I'm trying to fight the mind right now still because that's my natural default so in my head right now i'm saying armand chill though man you know because he went to choose the best route of winning a championship right that was he wanted to win a championship and the best team to give him the best opportunity to win was Golden State. And you've heard this analogy, right? Well, if you your job, you would take the better job. You would take the better opportunity to, you know, win, quote unquote, win and uh, work in an environment that seems more fun than the one you're at. And you, absolutely, you're right. But we can't forget that we're not, the most of us, the majority of us, are not competitors. We do not compete for a living. There are no winners and losers for the vast majority of us who work in the workforce. So if you're a firefighter, who are you competing with? You know, you're competing with fire. <laughs> you're not competing with the Oklahoma City Fire Department. You're trying to make sure whatever... You know, what's going on at PG County or D.C. or L.A. or Texas, Houston, whatever, wherever you may be working, you try to make sure you guys have the best, you know, department to handle whatever's coming at your way. If you are a, a statistician, you're not competing with, you know, stats and info or ESPN. You're just trying to make sure what, or whichever other company that may be out there. If you're an IT guy. Like you're comp you're not competing with other IT departments. You're just trying to make sure that your infrastructure is strong enough so that no virus or any other type of security threat will tear down your department. My, myself, I am. I have a podcast. Understand, I'm not competing with this American life. <laughs> I wish to have a tenth of their, you know, reach. Or downloads. I'm not competing with them. I'm not, and even if I did have as much as they were, I wouldn't be checking. Hey man, you know, got pod saved the people or this American life or this, 
you know, the Bill Barnwell show, they're, they've got better numbers than me. Nah, man, I'm trying to live me. I'm not checking for anybody else. And I don't think y'all are either. And let's say you do work in a job where you are competing. If you're one of the top surgeons or you're a top lawyer and you are trying to make sure that, you know, your numbers or your cases or your clients, that you have the best, you know, percentile of anybody in the nation. You're not going to take a pay cut to then join your competition. And that's exactly what Kevin Durant did. So if you're a surgeon and you're the top surgeon in the world and you guys could be competing with all the other best surgeons in the world. And then this new practice comes open and like, hey, man, we've been watching what you've done. We want you to work with us. We want you to work at our hospital. You're not going to take a pay cut. Like, you have made it to be the best in your profession. So you want to take less money to join the, the people that you've, that you've put in position to beat? That doesn't make any sense. So that's why the whole, well, you, normal Joe, listening on the street, you know what I mean, and working your nine to five, well, you would work, you would take the opportunity to work at the best, you know, profession that you could. Yeah, and also I'm going to take more money. Kevin Durant is a natural comp competitor. He is paid to compete. And in that, being a competitor, he went to the team who beat him. And he went to the team who beat him because he wasn't good enough to close the show. Make no mistake, all the people who said that Kevin Durant couldn't do this with the Thunder, you're wrong. Because they were four minutes away. Game six. 3-1 lead. It was right there. So, yes, from a logical standpoint, I get why Kevin Durant chose to play for the Warriors. But as I'm starting to embrace my emotions, understand I hate the move with every being of my body because I don't think that there is any slowing this train down. If you think this year was bad, in terms of the playoffs, in terms of competition, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till next year. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Armand Lee, and this is the Quarterly Report. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armand, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. -E. Also, follow the show. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. Okay, the first quarter is done and in the books, but we're going to take a second and step out of the sporting arena as we usually do from time to time here to discuss some other things for our second topic this week. Second quarter. The old saying goes, honesty is the best policy. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think that that's a lie. Because look, if we all held honesty in such high regard, we wouldn't accept being lied to as frequently as we are, and especially when there is no need to lie. Now, some of you all may be listening to this and you're asking yourself, man, Armand, where are you going with this? What are we doing with our second quarter? So just give me some time so I can set this table the right way, okay? Last week, as many of you all know, uh, Bill Maher, comedian, has a show real time on HBO. You know, he stepped in it because... He referred to himself as a house. Okay. Um, now, as you would imagine, a lot of people up in arms offended um, 
now two things on that number one as you all know if you listen to the show i'm from the capital of the confederacy born in richmond virginia so maybe i'm jaded i don't but i'm not surprised when a white person says that word it doesn't shock me it doesn't it doesn't move me the way it moves a lot of people now that's not me trying to say how everyone should respond to hearing that these are my sensibilities so when i heard him say it i was like okay well that's how he feels you know what i mean now i'm not excusing it i'm not saying it's right i'm just saying when i hear white people say that word i'm not shocked you know, I don't think that every white person says it, but I don't think that it's only, you know, people who hide in, you know, clan suits who say it. You know what I mean? So that's number one. I wasn't shocked. Number two, you know, if I've got a lot of I've got friend I got family who are Muslim and I have friends who are Muslim, not by choice of religion, but you know, they're from Middle Eastern countries. They were born in Islam, you know, you'll see them and people will will instantly think of them as Muslim. You know what I mean? So I have people who have converted to Islam and people who are born Muslims, okay? And they have told me for years now how wild of a tongue Mar has when it comes to them. So in many aspects, it's like, yeah, a lot of people are getting on Bill Maher because he said, you know, the, the dreaded N-word, you know what I mean? But he's been saying some really reckless stuff about a large number of people for years now. And that's been tolerated or accepted, I should say. So we gotta, you know, we gotta kind of check kind of our perceptions of people depending on, you know, what we, if we think they're funny, if we agree with them politically or anything in between. But ultimately, you know, Bill Maher stepped in, stepped into it this week. And, you know, there were a lot of people, especially initially, like, yo, you have to lose your job. Now, I'm not one who wants people to lose their jobs because they say something. You know what I mean? Like, now, if people stop watching their show and then the network or advertisers pull and then they're like, okay, well now we're going to cancel the show because we're losing money. That's fine. I have no problem with that. If people uh, want to make their voices heard or, you know, want to make sure that they address their concerns, use your power. And I have no problem with people stop watching Bill Maher. I haven't really watched Bill Maher for some years now. So this isn't me like caping up for him. I just, you know, my personal beliefs are, you know, I'm not for like shutting someone up because they say what they feel. Now, if you use your power to uh, to affect the bottom line, then, yeah, the networks can then make whatever necessary decisions that they want. I empower all that. But just, you know, canceling someone's show because we don't agree with what they say, because, again, I don't think Bill Maher's the only person who who says that word, who's not, you know, who's white. You understand? Like, maybe I'm jaded. I like to think that I'm not naive. Okay? But Bill Maher apologized. And that was kind of weird to me because I'm like, huh? You are a comedian. You clearly were trying to make a joke. In fact, when you look back at that segment, you seem pleased with the joke because you got laughter. 
So why are you apologizing? You're not sorry. You're sorry that you got in trouble. You're sorry because you feel like, oh, damn, I may lose my job. But you're not sorry. You know, you said what you wanted to say. There wasn't a slip of the tongue. You didn't apologize. You didn't catch yourself. You said what you... It wasn't even just a slip of the word. You made a joke about it, right? Now, again, I'm not saying you have to lose your job for it. I'm not saying that, you know, I think you are the, the worst person in the world. I personally have stopped watching your show a while ago. And I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to, I don't know if I'm going to watch your show the way I used to watch it 10 years ago. But, you know, that's fine. I don't have to. Because there, there are a lot of people who love his show. But why apologize? It's It reminds me of like two weeks ago when Kathy Griffin, and we're going to talk about this more with my guy Tlaib coming up. But Kathy Griffin, she took a, a photo shoot with President Trump's head severed. And I was just like, yo, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Not because of the photo shoot, but because she apologized afterwards. I'm like, you can't tell me you did not know that holding a severed head of the president of the United States wouldn't, wouldn't set people back a little bit. Even, even with his popularity at like all time lows, you know, Trump, at least in my lifetime is clearly the most unpopular in my bubble. And I, again, like I said, a few weeks ago, we all have bubbles. But I think if you look at his approval numbers, they're like record lows, at least for to be this early in your presidency. So, you know, she knew what she was doing. But then she apologized. And I'm like, why? Why are you apologizing? Be honest. We all want honesty. You could you could go up there and it's like, look, I stand by what I did. This is what I thought. I did not know I was going to get this much heat from it. I thought that. He was fair game. And you could just say that. Why are you apologizing? If you're Bill Maher, you're like, look, actually not nah, because Bill Maher stand like Bill Maher. When it comes to Muslims, you don't ever hear him apologize. You know, my, like I said, my Muslim friends have been telling me about Bill Maher for years and they really shouldn't have to tell any of us because it's clear how he feels on that. So why apologize? You know, let's flip it. Like Bill Maher and Kathy Griffin are obviously on the left side of the spectrum. Look at Ted Nugent. <laughs> you know, he he was talking about killing Hillary Clinton and former President Obama. And he got invited into the White House this year with our President Trump. He didn't apologize for that. He stood tall. Like, why do you apologize? Why, why do people feel the need to always apologize just because they get into it. Like, honestly, what's the worst that's going to happen to Bill Maher? He loses his show, and then guess what happens? He'll get a show on Netflix because he has a large enough base that he can withstand it. Bill O'Reilly lost his job. Now, what happened with Bill O'Reilly was a little bit different because he was accused multiple times over for sexual harassment. Uh, his daughter... <laughs> testified that he assaulted his wife so that's where i draw the line not when you're saying something but actually doing something when you're causing harm but again i'm not going to get too sad on into this but you know if bill o'reilly wanted to go on any other platform he would make a lot of money bill o'reilly's okay 
He got a settlement. Like, financially, he's good. If Bill Maher were to lose his job, he'd be good. So why are we apologizing? Hank Williams Jr. called President Obama, compared him to Hitler. And just a few years later, he's back on Monday Night Football. He didn't apologize. Why? Why do we feel the need to always lie? Stand tall if you say what you mean. Mean what you say. And then never back down. Even if you, because the way things are set up now, there's no reason for you to. Like, giving out fake apologies, that's the weakest thing in the world. And giving out fake excuses, it's super weak. It's lame. Especially when you don't have to. And I say all of that, all of that is to come full circle back to sports and with the Colin Kaepernick situation. All these NFL teams keep lying. And I'm asking, why are y'all lying? If you don't want to hire Colin Kaepernick, if you don't want to sign him, just say that. Just like, look, man, I didn't like what he did, taking the knee for racial equality. For social justice, I, for whatever reason, that bothers me that he did that. And just say that, because that's how you feel. Perfect example. If the Miami Dolphins were to come out right now and say, you know what, we're not interested, we're not going to sign Colin Kaepernick because he wore a Fidel Castro shirt. We'd all be like, okay, whether you agree with it or not, we'd understand it. You know, the Miami Dolphins, a high you know, Cuban population. We know how Cubans feel about Castro. Like, yeah, okay, you wore a Castro shirt. That's going to rub your fan base the wrong way. I understand why you wouldn't want to sign Colin Kaepernick. And whether you agree with it or not, we would understand it because it would be honest. But when you have all these teams and all these team, all the surrogates of teams talking about, oh, well, he hasn't been good the last two years. Um, we don't know how much he wants too much money. He wants to be a starter. All these excuses that you hear from writers and you know, they're, they're getting it from someone in some front office. You have Mar from the giants talking about distractions, even though a year ago he re-signed someone who beat his wife. You have to start thinking like, why are y'all lying? If so, if a player who is giving out money to Somalia, is, you know, trying to raise awareness on how black people have felt for decades. If all this makes you so mad, just say it. Because ultimately, what's what's the risk? You think every single black person loves Colin Kaepernick? Like, if if the GMs of these NFL teams are like, you know what, we're not going to sign Colin Kaepernick because, you know, he just cares too much about black people and oppression in this country. You think every black person is going to just stop watching football at that point? Is that what they're scared of? Because even if we do, we're such a small representation of this country, your pockets are still going to be straight. It's so crazy. I what? So this is where I'm at now. Why are these powerful people, people who have real power, like real money, can affect change? The, the people who run these businesses, these organizations, they're in like these big meetings, big power-broking conferences. They actually can affect change real power why are they lying to us like do they think like 
Because now I'm starting, like, again, in the pre previous quarter, I was talking about maybe I think too much. So now I'm back into that mode, you know, put my feelings aside. Now I'm seeping in back into, you know, thinking this out. Because I'm curious, we can't affect your bottom line. Why are you lying? When it's clear, Austin Davis is not a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick. Blaine Gabbert is not a better, better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick. Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, EJ Manuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the list goes on and on. You clearly don't want to sign him because of his protest. So why are you lying about it? Why not just come out and say it? What are you scared of? Or, or do these people, these people in high places, these people with real power, do they just feel that we are that dumb that we'll just accept anything? It's got to be one or the other. Maybe it's both. Right, maybe they just like these people are dumb. We're gonna say whatever we want, and they're just gonna accept it. And maybe they're scared of a backlash, even though I don't know why. Because there wasn't a backlash for Hank Williams Jr. He compared our last president to Hitler. There wasn't a backlash for Ted Nugent. He's made threats on the former first lady, former secretary of state. And a former president. Hell, there's no there's no backlash for Kathy Griffin. And she had the current president's head severed. Like, why are you lying? That's my only point. If you don't want to sign Colin Kaepernick, if you don't want to apologize for a, a joke that you thought was funny, why do it? Because history has shown us that most people don't care. Don't believe me? Ask Hank Williams Jr. Ask Ted Nugent. Hell, ask Bill Cosby. That's the first half of the quarterly report. Thank you so much for listening. I had to get that off my chest, man, because, you know, just be straight up. We always ask everybody to keep it 100. Keep it. How many times have you heard a rapper, you know, throw a Milwaukee Bucks reference? Oh, man. You think I play for Milwaukee the way I keep it a buck. All these lame lines. Everybody wants to keep it 100, be straight up and down. But no, we don't. Because if we did, we wouldn't accept it. I'm going to say Austin. Going to, going to talk about how great Colin Kaepernick is, the Seahawks. And they're going to sign Austin Davis a few days later. Come on, man. Anyway, I, I could talk about this all day long. But I got to move on. House cleaning topics before we get to halftime. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter. We're at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We're at iTunes. All you got to do is search the show, The Quarterly Report. Remember, Quarterly with L-E-E -E in it. You'll see my icon. Click on it. Subscribe. And if you don't mind, please rate and review the show. Let me know what you like and what you don't like. All right, so for halftime this week, we're going to try something different. We've all heard of the term mansplaining. You know, it's what we we guys do this from time to time where we just start talking to women as if they don't know, they don't have their own mind. We try to explain things to them when they don't even need explanation. Oftentimes, they know more about the topic than we do. But because we're men, we feel we got to tell them things and explain it to them. It's really stupid. It's really lame. It's something that we do that we got to stop. But 
because of the kind of person I am, I decided to flip it. So with the help of my dear friend, Fem Alchemista, we are giving you a brand new way to interpret the term mansplaining. Check it out. Mansplain, verb. When a woman explains to a man why the he thinks is so dope, ain't. Dear men, it's summertime in the city and things are definitely heating up in more ways than one. So I'm gonna give you a few tips on how to keep it cool when you step into the ladies this summer. Number one, don't flirt and drive. That is not safe and it's not cool. She's driving down the highway, going 70 miles per hour, and so are you because you're keeping up right alongside with her car, trying to get her number and her attention. Hey, excuse me, Miss Lady, excuse me, sexy. Excuse me, beautiful. I know you see me. I know you see me. And honking. Oh, come on now, beautiful. I'm just trying to holler at you. Come on. Hey, come on, real quick, real quick. Let me holler at you real quick. This is not the time nor the place. Like, we could literally die in this exchange. This, no, not the time. Number two, don't start off with, do you have a man? Please don't let that be your first question. Hey, 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 excuse me, real quick, baby. I just want to know, you got a man? She is completely capable of giving you a yes or no answer aside from her status or affiliation with someone else who has the same anatomy as you. She doesn't need permission. She's completely clear on what she wants to do. Maybe start off with something like, excuse me, miss, what's your name? That usually works. Number three, don't ask a question if you can't handle a yes or no answer. The chances are the answer could go either way. But some of y'all act a little bit bipolar. One second, you're loving us and singing our praises, trying to get our attention. Excuse me, I'm not trying to be rude, but I just wanted to let you know just how breathtaking you are. You look so beautiful and you look like you got yourself together. You smell amazing. You got that beautiful hairstyle. I want to know if I can take you out. And the next second, you're cursing our name and completely desecrating our whole existence. No. Oh, Man, get your ass up on about out here with your head ass, stinky motherfucker. Man, nobody wanna hang with your ass anyway. I can tell by the way you walk that stank. Fuck you, hoe. Man, nobody wants your stinky ass. And I know that is weave. Everybody looking at your head, that fake hair. How much that head costs? How much that costs? Bruh, not a move if you wanna stay cool. So these are my requests. Please and thank you. Signed a woman. Yo, we do some real sucker stuff as men. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. You know, that's and, and make no mistake, that's not me lecturing at all. I'm not on a soapbox. That's my homegirl. She's taking care of that as the content. I'll add some of the little comedic, you know, interludes. But really, that's her expressing, you know, as a woman, for many women, you know, some of the lame stuff that we men do. So, you know, no need to be defensive. Just listen. You feel me? Like, look, she's talking to me in some of those as well. I've never yelled at a woman who's rejected me, but I definitely have asked, you know, if a woman had a man as I stepped to her. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a way for us to kind of see a different perspective and check some of the, the silly stuff we as men do. You know what I'm saying? Because we we can be lame we can be we can do some real sucker stuff as men you know what i'm saying so shout out to my homegirl you know her name fem alchemista 
Make sure you check her stuff. If you like that, she's got a lot of dope stuff. Go to her blog. It's sold by you. S-O-U-L-B-Y-Y-O-U.com. She has a lot of really great content. And she's got her own little, you know, podcast on SoundCloud. So make sure you check that out. It's at SoundCloud.com backslash femalchemista. That's SoundCloud.com backslash F-E-M-M-E-A-L. C-H-E-M-I-S-T-A. So really dope stuff. I'm really glad that she was able to help me on that because I thought that was a really fun segment and some segment that we could really pull from as well as men. You know, we got we got to clean our stuff up. You know what I'm saying? But halftime is over. The adjustments have been made. You feel me? We got two quarters left. Let's hit the second half strong with my guest this week, comedian and my homeboy, Talib Bab. You can catch him in NYC and weeknights at 11.35, Monday through Friday, on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, my guy Tlaib. Tlaib, what's happening, bro? Nothing much, man. It's, it's, it's great to talk to you. You know, it's been a while, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on, and I'm happy to just, just, just rap and, and see who's can catch up. I'm happy to see what's going on with you, man. Now, I got to say, I saw you. I saw your skit that you wrote with Hannibal Burris. On uh on the show a few uh weeks back, and I gotta tell you, I was so proud. Not just because you wrote the skit and you know you achieving your dreams, but you finally grew some facial hair. You know, I was like, man, look at the leave, yo. He finally turned into a man. I, I was proud of you, yo. Yeah, I I got the Bosley. You know, a lot of a lot of products went through those and it didn't work. And the Bosley finally it worked. Bosley and and I, 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 I stepped it up. I'm, I'm here now. I mean, been becoming more of a man with every day that passes. All right, so we got a lot to discuss this week. I got a lot of things I want to ask and pick your brain about, so we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with the NBA Finals. You know, at the time of this recording, Golden State is up two games to none, and none of these games have been competitive. There really isn't any reason to think that this series will be competitive. So I'm curious, two questions. How do you feel about this series with Golden State just completely dominating the Cavaliers? And number two, you're a PG guy. Durant obviously is a PG guy. Have you changed? Has your feelings toward Kevin Durant changed now that he's playing with Golden State and you see just how dominant they are? So I'll start with the KD question first. Okay. I I don't... I don't. I, I'm one of those people, man. I can't. I don't. I don't love him anymore. Like I, I don't hate him. I don't wish. I don't have like death threats or anything like that. Anything like that. I'm not like that crazy about it. <laughs> but it's just like, man, I. It's beyond insane that he. Every time I still, I got. I was watching game two, and I was like, man, this dude really went to the Warriors. Like I'm still in shock. Like like it just happened yesterday. Like he really went to the best team ever, record wise. You know, it's just like, and that beat him. Like last yes, year, they—it's so baffling to me. And then, like, to see like him be excited and like the Warriors talk trash, like, "Yeah, what's up? What you want?" Like, like it's like you're the best. Like, what? Like, what, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Why are you like talking trash and like, like he when that play where he blocked Kevin Love and then that sequence where he blocked Kevin Love and then came down at the end one. Great sequence, but it was just like they were all like going crazy, like yeah, yeah. It was like. You're not even supposed to be doing this for them. You're supposed to be doing this on OKC. Like, why are you still like? It was. It was. It's a weird thing. So, 
I I don't I'm a, I'm a, I don't root for I'm a, I'm gonna, I don't root for KD anymore. I will say that I don't root for him to win a title anymore with the Warriors. I used to root for him to win a title. Now, now I don't. If he wins a title, which he probably will win the title this year, I'm you know it's whatever. I'll get over it. Like right. I'm trying to. I'm trying. You know, as as I get older, I'm trying to be an adult and not care about sports so much and get so emotionally invested into it. But it's just like, damn, you really are just going to throw a, a, a dagger in the basketball and and make it a just one team sport where it's just nobody else really has a chance until unless, you know, the Cavs go out and get Paul George or or something. It's got to be a four, a four way for some, excuse me for sounding, uh, uh, making that dirty, but it's got to be like a, a quadruple, a quadruple type of tandem now. Cause you, you're not going to match up with the Warriors with just a trio of superstars. You need four. It's crazy. So I think the whole playoffs were, pretty uneventful. Right. It was just cool to see the Warriors bash on teams. Uh, it was cool to see the Warriors bash on teams until they got to the Spurs and then Zaza injured Kawhi. And I was like, well, this isn't fun either because now they're about to bash the Spurs. And then now we get to the finals. I I knew heading in that like my heart, like my mind told me that the Warriors were going to dominate like they are right now. Right. But my heart was like, my heart was like, man, there's some way K, uh, LeBron and Kyrie can can make this a, a interesting matchup. And it's last year. To be fair, last year they got blown out the first two games, but you just know that this year it's just it's not it's just not this. It's different. It's, it's right. different because game two they played they played solid in game two. They played they should not have lost by twenty in game two. They played solid. Everything the way they played everything tells you they should have lost. Maybe even won that game. Lost the game close by like maybe five or six, or they win that game. But you can't. You just. You're not going to be. You're our entire MVP down. You're not going to be Kevin Durant and Steph Curry when you are are just LeBron. You know, and and, and the bench and the Warriors. It, it's just not doing. It. There's nothing you can do when you got two guys that can pull up from 35 feet and train it for fun. Once again, I'm joined now by Talib Bab. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at T A L I B B A B B. He's a funny guy, comedian. Works on. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, weeknights on CBS. Um, so we're going to step off the basketball court and into the football arena. Um, I'm curious, you know, the biggest topic in the NFL world for like the third straight month is Colin Kaepernick and whether or not he'll be working. I'm curious your thoughts on the whole Kaepernick situation and if you feel that Cap will be playing in the NFL next season. I do not think he gets a job this season. First off, I think it's it's just written on the wall that their owners and and general managers are all in on not risking it for Colin Kaepernick, which is it's just bizarre because it's like he would be the best it or you know top let's you know top twenty guys when it comes to not to discredit anything else that other players in the league are doing, but when it comes to being a stand up citizen. And a guy that's in the community, like literally in the community, this is a chance to to show that you are open to to other beliefs. And it's weird that I have to say other beliefs and stuff because it's, it's like all Kaepernick wants is for like black right. people and minorities to be treated equally. But it's like it's your chance to stand up and and support people that have other beliefs and other other ways of living and other ways of thinking and just aren't just the 
the all American, I will I will do what you want me to say, and I will you know say what you want me to say, and I'll do what you want me to do, and just be a a mute, a robot, whatever. This is your chance, you know. Show the NFL that you actually show the show the world, you know, whatever the nation that you care and are okay with people speaking out or whatever, right. and you just won't you won't catch the pass on this one. You will not, you know. It's just it's easy. Just do. You don't have to start him. Just pick him up and put him on the. He's not going to be the starter. You can just let him be a backup. The Seahawks signed Austin Davis. Austin Davis, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who held out last year? Thought he was the, thought he was Willie Beeman, and like held out and thought he was like a legit star, which I get it. I mean, I I'm just playing. Like I get players need their money, but it's like seriously, but like you know, a year later, which made sense because a year later, you you were backup and your career is likely uh likely likely over. So well, you know, he's mediocre and white, so probably not. But it'll be it'll he won't be starting anymore. And the big text won't come. But this this is that he was smart to hold out for that check last year. But just like Kaepernick really can't like even a guy like Geno Smith is in the league. You know what I mean? He, right. Geno has done nothing to prove that he's better than Colin. Like Colin has had his downfall, but he's he, he was once a Super Bowl quarterback. He was a, he appeared in the Super Bowl for a reason. He was a right. as a Packers fan. I've seen him. Destroy my squad for playoffs in for playoffs just at least two playoffs like I remember for sure he destroyed us. It's crazy. I I, I don't I I understand I understand totally why he's not getting signed, but it's just it's still it sucks that it's just like it's serious like this is the this is the like this is the line. You know what I mean? Like we'll hire men who beat their wives, beat women, uh, DUIs, do drugs, whatever the case may be. You know, kill dogs. But taking the knee during the national anthem, that's where we draw the line. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I'm joined now again by my guy, Talib Bab. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at T-A-L-I-B-B-A-B-B. He's a comedian. He works with The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights on CBS at 1135. And because you're a comedian, I want to ask you this last question, and we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, Bill Maher. Uh, stepped in it earlier or late last week. Um, and this is a week after Kathy Griffin also um, got into some hot water with uh, a joke that uh, I guess people really didn't relate to. Um, I'm curious, as a comedian, how difficult do you find it now, you know, um, in a PC era that we live in now to tell jokes, but being careful not to push whatever line that is drawn because I do feel like as a society, we've become more sensitive um, when it comes to jokes, definitely more so now than in earlier eras where Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Eddie Murphy, these guys were pushing boundaries Uh, as a comedian. How do you navigate through that? It's tough. And it's probably tougher for, like a white dude, or like a, you're a straight white dude. You are the you are public enemy number one right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you are like every straight white dude right now is like one bad action away from being Hitler. Like compared to Hitler, you know what I mean? Like just the way society's running right now. So it's like you really gotta like watch what you say. Uh, so I, I know for them it's maybe good luck, but uh, for me. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, 
I, it's tough. Like I, I don't just like I don't really have like well, like I watched the Dave Chappelle uh, special. Uh, both of them, uh, House of uh, House, was it House of Spin, Age of Spin, Age of Spin, and then Heart of Texas. And you know he got he caught flack for some of his transgender jokes and 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 uh, his homosexual jokes. And it's just like it's just to me it just depends. I don't really have a have an urge to make uh, jokes about the transsexual community because I just I mean I don't I just don't have an urge to do that. So it's like. Right. I don't think I'll have an issue. You know, all, all the jokes that I make are something that I really like. That I actually find funny or find or just care about. I'm not saying you can't make jokes about the trans, transgender community. Yeah, but it's just, if if you have that if you have that notion to do that, then just make sure you know make sure it's it it's done in a I don't want to say positive light, but you got to watch out for how you present because there's stereotypes. Everything it's like all stereotypes can be harmful, you know, and you don't want to like yeah. reinforce stereotypes and 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 push those stereotypes on, and because people see things and and they they all see it's good. They think that because we make a joke of it, that it's okay to just go out to the world with it. You know that makes sense. You know, yeah, I, it does. I think it's sometimes where there's where audiences can leave that joke just on the stage. You know, where it's just like a I'm not trying to put the the onus on the audience, but I think mean, there's some of it where it's like you know this is simply just a joke. And leave it as such. Do not take this out of context. Do not go into the real world with this, trying to apply it, you know, to other things. So then that's when it really, really becomes an issue. But so I think there's definitely a lot of it, a lot of the, the, the responsibilities on the performer to make sure and the writer to, you know, make sure you're kind of coming at things with a, I guess, with a, with a very focused or just a, a very knowledgeable stance on it. You know, don't just be ignorant to what you're talking about. If you're going to talk about a certain sensitive topic, I feel like you should just know your subject and, you know, be ready for whatever backlash that may come. Now, with that being said, there is definitely almost a mob mentality, especially on social media. Um, You know, anytime someone says something, um, whether it's offensive in reality or perceived, there, there seems to be such a harsh backlash um, and comedians, which usually or in the past was a safe space. There are like usually or oftentimes, you know, the first target uh, as a comedian. Do you worry about the future of comedy? Uh, well, luckily for me, I'm not famous. <laughs> I can get away with saying anything I want right now. because no, Nobody's checking for my jokes. I can say whatever. I can drop whatever I want to drop. But the future of comedy, uh, I don't. I think it's just the responsibility of of the of the comic. Again, I think it, like it, everything is getting everything is changing. You know, everything, every industry, every, everything, technology, everything is changing. So I I, I think I'm not going to be the guy that's like we can't say this like we used to. We can't do that like we used to. It's just like man, the world's going to change. Who says who says it's always for the better? Who says it's for the right. worse? I mean, it's just you know you just got to just got to roll with the punches and adapt. So if if being PC is, is the new way on stage and you got then you really want to do comedy then do it. If it if it affects you that much that you, you really are just really are, are disturbed by how PC things have become as a comic then either you can just push the limit, you know, or push the, you know, push the push the envelope or just quit. So it's either one of the two and I and I, and I think there's this comics that do a good job of pushing the envelope. I try to do certain things and, and, you know, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Like I said, I'm not famous, so 
is it's, I don't have the biggest, like, the most I'll get is, like, a just dead silence, you know, mm-hmm. at night. Or, right. or, like, somebody may approach me after the show. But, I mean, that's it. It's not, I'm not getting a social media backlash, you know. Like, right. I'm not getting So, it's different for sure. Like, you know, Bill Maher, if, if a white comic, you know, white, uh, white amateur or open mic did that in New York, he'd only, what Bill Maher said, he would only have problems at the open mic or at the, at the, the bar show he did, you know, but because of Bill Maher did it, he's, you, you got people calling to end your show and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and rightfully so, I mean, if you, if you have the, you have a TV show, you have the responsibility to, you have a responsibility to, to speak with sense and speak with, 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 you know, with knowledge on situations and knowing that what you say can be and will be used against you by the mob mentality and the, and, and races and, and marginalized people all, and all over. So it's just, you gotta be, you gotta be, gotta be aware. Once again, that's my guy Talib Bab. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Talib T A L I B B A B B Talib Bab. Uh, follow him there. He's a really fun follow. Sports, movies, music, entertainment, comedy, obviously. Works for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Check that out. Monday through Fridays on CBS at 1135. Talib, man, thank you so much for joining me this week. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so we're three quarters down with only one left. We're going to finish up strong with the age-old debate, so... Let's not waste any more time with our last topic this week. Each year before the NBA Finals, there's what's called a state of the league or the state of the NBA address. It's where the commissioner gets in front of the media before, you know, their marquee event. And they discuss some of the biggest topics um, that the league faces. And this year was no different. Commissioner Adam Silver um, made his address last week. And one of the biggest topics that came up again was the one and done rule. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, the one and done rule essentially states that players must be at least one year removed from graduating high school before they can enter the NBA. Um, There are a lot of ways around it. A lot of guys or not a lot, but some guys have gone overseas. Some guys go to prep school, um, but. For the most part, guys who are, you know, highly recruited top prospects, they will go to college for one season, the one and done, and then they'll leave college and go to their pros. So Mr. Mr. Silver, excuse me, uh, at the state of the league said how the one and done rule isn't helping anyone. You know, it's a lose lose situation. And. That stuff just, it annoys me beyond no end, okay? The idea that the one-and-done rule hurts anybody other than the players, it's absurd. Now, it goes back to what we were talking earlier, you know, like why people feel the need to lie because they masquerade this whole facade of the one-and-done. It's all built up on this lie that these people, these, these powerful men and women, all right, Owners, general managers, commissioners, uh, presidents of universities, all these people have this large amount of compassion for these players when it comes to, oh, well, you know, these guys, these young men need to know uh, how to handle their money. These young men need to know they're not ready to be professionals yet. 
Um, they need uh, a better foundation and learning and all this other stuff. They, they People turn themselves into knots trying to keep up with this lie. And the reason why we know it's a lie is because ask yourself this question. If Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball or LeBron James, John Wall, any of these guys, Kevin Durant, if they couldn't play basketball, would these same people have this much compassion? Of course not. It's a joke. They don't care about whether or not these players handle their money once they're retired. And if they did, extending the one and done isn't the way to do it. If you really care about these young men and how they handle money and how they adjust to being poor, to being extremely rich, you don't wait until they're at the finish line. Like This has been a, a lifelong dream, a lifelong race these young men have been doing. If you are really concerned about how they handle their finances, how um, they best uh, equip themselves and ready themselves and prepare themselves for this real world that they are about to step into, why wait till college? Why not get our hands dirty and let's address this thing at, at the root of the concern? Let's get at these elementary schools. Let's get at middle schools at least. You know, if, if we really care about these people, but we don't. You want to know what they care about? It's the bottom line. It's the business. The NBA understands, well, if these kids go to school, th there's at least a year of marketing that we don't even have to touch. Not only that, from a league's perspective, for each individual team, we have more scouting. We can better you know, understand how good these players are. Heaven forbid that your scouts and your front office many of whom are making six figures, if not a million dollars salary. Heaven forbid that they actually have to be held accountable for their decisions. But nope, you know, let's hide. The fan base doesn't want to hear that. So let's say, man, you know what? These guys, you know, they go broke once they leave the NBA. So we need to help better prepare them for finances. But think about this, like the poster child of NBA, you know, uh, bankruptcy, unfortunately, and I'm not even trying to make be funny, make jokes, but Antoine Walker, right? When you think of NBA players who lose a lot of money, the first guy you think of is Antoine Walker. But the one and done rule wouldn't have saved him. How do I know this? Because Antoine Walker, who went to one of the most acclaimed universities, especially when it comes to basketball, Antoine Walker went to school for two years. So tell me how, you know, him going to school for one extra more year would have helped him. He he went to college before this one and done rule was even implemented. He chose to go to school for two years. So obviously going to school for two years, extending a one and done rule wouldn't have helped him because he already was going to school for two years. Another guy who is infamously tied to poor finances after his playing days, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Anderson, same thing, went to school for two years. So why, like, why, are we, why do we keep falling for this BS? And more, more importantly, why do people keep on feeding it to us? Just come out and say it. The NBA wants kids to stay in school longer because it's easier for scouts to analyze these players. 
And it's better for the league because they're getting marketable stars without having to put any work in. And obviously it's better for the schools because the longer these great players stay, the more people get attached. So the more jerseys they buy and the good players, if they're forced to stay, then that means these teams are going to keep going, going to these tournaments and selling out arenas and making that money. It's all about the money. Like this is America. This is one of the best things about America, right? Free enterprise, the American dream, chase, work hard, chase your dreams, and you can accomplish what you set your mind to. Except for when it comes to these NBA or NFL players, right? Like let's stop with the silly stuff because if we really cared about them, we'd address it before they're at the finish line. Like, come on, man. Like, why do they think we're so stupid? And that's from, like, I guess a practical standpoint. Let's actually go to just the nuts and bolts. The one and done rule, if anything, is hurt. The, like, it's so, it's beyond dumb. And for Adam Silver, a commissioner that I actually like, for him to even say that, it's like, come on, Slim, what are you talking about? Look at who the faces of your league are. LeBron James did not go to college. Kevin Durant only went to college for one year, and that's because he had to, right? You got Carmelo, one and done. John Wall, one and done. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, you know, DeMar DeRozan, all these, Dwight Howard didn't go to school. Like the faces of your league, without, with few exceptions, I will grant you that, that there are Steph Currys, there are Russell Westbrooks, James Hardens, Kawhi Leonard's, absolutely. But let's not mistake. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. This league currently orbits around LeBron James. And guess who's next up? Next in line, Kevin Durant. So don't say the one and done rule hasn't helped anybody. You are living like a fat cat because of it. Like everybody wants to have their own interests before these kids, the guys who are working. I think back to Greg Oden. Remember him? Um, he blew his knee out in his rookie year and it never was the same and subsequently has fallen into little battles of depression. Like, why don't we have empathy? Think about it. This young man probably was propped up his entire life. His entire self-worth was wrapped around all these adults telling him how great of a basketball player he is. So when teachers and guidance counselors and coaches and you know, all these people who are supposed to be building up children, not just building up a portion of a child into being a player, but building them up as individuals. When all these adults are telling you how great of a player you are, and then when your body fails you as a teenager, of course you're going to deal with some type of depression. But imagine if his body failed him because the one and done rule was extended. If Greg Oden never got a chance to cash one professional check, imagine how tragic that story is. Don't talk to me about, oh, we're trying to better prepare these kids for the real world. No, you're not. And you want to know how I know you're not? Because the NBA has a developmental league, the D League. But check this out. It's not called the D League anymore. It's called the G League. G as in Gatorade. That's right. Gatorade now has bought the rights, the naming rights to the NBA's developmental league. So if you really cared about it, you would let these kids get drafted. Draft them. Why not? It's America. 
But if you really cared about implementing them into the real world, how could a college do it better than a professional team? Like it's a farm system. It works. You want to know how I know it works? Because baseball has one and hockey has one. Let's not kid ourselves, man. Let's be real. Like this whole show has kind of tied in kind of perfectly. And I didn't, I'm a great producer. Let me pat myself on the back real quick. But that's not what my intent was. It just naturally fit. But we accept these lies. And that's why they keep on doing it. They don't care about these kids. If you really cared about these kids, you address it at the butt of the problem, at the root. Get at these elementary and middle schools, but they're not because they just want this free marketing and they want their scouts to better uh, evaluate players. And you can do so for free if they got to go to school longer and you don't have to pay them. It's a joke. It's a joke on every single side. But it's all good. You know, I'll keep on yelling into my microphone because, like I said, we all some Jim Jones drinking Bama's anyway, right? Because we just going to keep on taking these lies, right? Or are we ready to demand the truth? I'll wait. But while I'm waiting, please do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. Please rate and review the quarterly report. All you got to do is... Go to the search bar, type in the quarterly report. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E report. Click on the icon, subscribe, and then rate and review. Let me know what you like and what you don't like. And let me know what you want to hear me talk about on future episodes. While you're at it, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Armon, A-R-M-O-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. And follow the show as well at Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. I want to thank Talib Bath for joining me this week. And of course, you for listening. We'll be back better than ever next week on the Quarterly Report. <laughs>